Hello and welcome to Adam and Eve on CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton and around the world on CJSR.com. My name is Luis Fuentes and I'll be your host for today's episode of Adam and Eve. Thanks for tuning in. Adam and Eve is Edmonton's only feminist news radio show. We are adamant on highlighting, discussing and engaging with issues that affect women across Edmonton and around the world. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the role that coffee shops play in our community and how they can be places for radical, queer and feminist change. We're featuring an interview with Mavi and Reika from Intent Coffee. Intent Coffee is a new coffee shop in Edmonton located in Southgate Mall. They are Philippine ex queer and BIPOC run cafe led by youth working towards a more sustainable community. In the following conversation, Wen Chan and Rose Eva Forrest Jenkins talk to the owners of Intent about what community support has looked like for them. They also discuss the colonial legacies of the Philippines, what the colonizing coffee looks like and cafes as historically queer spaces. Let's take a listen. Jenkins. I use she, her pronouns, and we're here in the back area of Intent Coffee. Thank you so much for letting us sneak around the back yeah, and of being in your adorable <laughs> break room with the I know rice maker. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for having us. Hi, I'm Gwen Wenchan. I use they, them, she, her pronouns. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to learn more about what you're all about um, and hear more about the stories. Hi, my name is Mavi AZ Tolentino. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm glad to be here. Hello, um, my name is Reka Heradura. I use uh, she, her, they, them pronouns. I'm a queer Philippine ex, uh, first generation immigrant here on Turtle Island. Yeah, I am also a first gen queer Filipina living on uh, Turtle Island, and I moved here when I was 15. Plus, also, we're non academics. They didn't go to post-secondary. <laughs> yeah, so definitely like opening up intent. We encounter a lot of challenges in the way, but yeah. We got here. We got here. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk more about those challenges? I'd say um, there's external and internal. A lot more on the internal because as someone who was born the way we are, like we are brainwashed and taught and conditioned to, to move through the world in a certain way Mm -hmm. so like we are brainwashed to just be laborers and and just stay here where we are and not um, pursue anything greater than that Mm -hmm. Um, so we had to break a lot of uh, intergenerational trauma that has been passed down for centuries like with the mentality that like oh this is this is it like this is all we can achieve um as as brown people immigrant people on stolen land being an immigrant coming from the philippines a colonized country it's colonized so many times but definitely having to dismantle a lot of set mentalities like scarcity mindset crab mentality and also coming into terms with um, queer identity and assimilation here and not being able to be proud of who I am or showcase what I've got and what I can offer and yeah it's just it's it's that's one of like the internal troubles I've, I've had to overcome and intent has also helped me overcome and by, by intent I mean not just like the structure like business it's actually the people 
that helped us through the way our chosen families our friends who's helped us and held us accountable you know with with our growth as well as we grow with this business mm-hmm. externally obviously the system <laughs> um only a certain amount of people can access resources and information right um being white privileged people um so we couldn't meet the requirements and eligibilities of conventional banking so we had to find money somewhere else and on top of that like we had to turn into community to ask for help and to get the resources because we learned that together collectively we have a lot and we can do so much with that we just need to start talking to each other and not be afraid to ask for help from each other because we are the only ones that we have um, so yeah, like lack of funding, um, lack of information and, and resources, we had to really dig that and find out a way to get all of those things. Yeah, we had to carve out our own way because not a lot of Filipinos, queer, young, first-gen Filipinos do this because like what Mavi said, we're conditioned to just be workers. We're conditioned to be exported. We're conditioned to be overworked and to have someone above us mm-hmm. and one thing is that like there's like 4,000 Filipinos leave our country every single day to get exported into foreign lands to be laborers but why don't we see Filipinos thriving in those lands right like why don't we see Filipinos who are owning something or we don't even have a cultural center here in Alberta and we have 120,000 Filipinos that live here why do Ukrainian people have it, right? Like, like we've been here. <laughs> um, and there's Chinatown, there's all the representation of other like Asian, East Asian countries, but not us. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the color of our skin. And that comes with the history of colonization. I guess like talking from, um, <clears throat> talking about colonization and your work here with, um, with decolonizing coffee, do you want to talk a bit about what that looks like and what it means to you in practice. One way to control a population, like a group of people, is to control their food systems. Um, and us taking like control and like have our representation through coffee is, is a huge step for us because we're finally like benefiting from the trade that from the products that grow from our ancestral lands, from our native lands, and like having a say in that. Yeah. And that's how you, at least I personally reclaim my cultural identity is through food, because if we reclaim the food, we also reclaim the people and the, the culture that comes with that. Yeah. Food is beyond calories for Filipinos. It's a form of connection, it's a form of community, it's, it's a form of healing right but i f- like in this climate like we find that a lot of there's been a rise in like filipino food movement as well but there's it's underrepresented and if it is like white people have been taking it from us and we're done like we don't want to be represented as this like exotic but cuz like ube is like, such an exotic thing but to us it's not it's, it's a food that I grew up in. Like, how is that exotic? And we find that a lot of um, appropriation has been occurring and 
to be able to represent ourselves in this, it's decolonizing comedy. Yeah, we're done being this covered. Yeah, it's because <laughs> like, we've always oh. been here, um, and it's just we were we're underrepresented, and it's time for us to finally realize our our potential as people. But that has to look like us Filipinos like coming together and not dragging each other down, but lifting each other up, and lifting other like non Filipinos who are non-white as well with us because. We are from the global south, and and not, like most of the food that we eat in the consuming world, which is the first world countries, the developed countries, or should I say, colonizer, colonizer. countries, like the food that we eat here, are from the global south, like a lot of it. But why is the global south still impoverished? Why why are people there still still hungry? Right? Why do if, white people still have to constantly save yeah. the global south? Yeah. If we grow the food, why aren't we fed? Right, um, so that's like a big question: <laughs> is why is the most um, productive population of the world, which is the people of the global south, still poor? Why is that? And we can all trace it back to historical facts and colonization. Because you've talked a bit about the ways that like community has lifted you, lifted you. I'm curious to know more about like what that's looked like and your your kind of journey in terms of that as well. Oh. Um, there's a lot to be thankful for with community. Just us being here and constantly being able to open our doors says a lot about community support. And even prior to that, building this place from the ground up, we've had mentors from the community, like uh, the Grizzler. Um, we've been in partnership with them for the longest time. And they actually offered us this place because um, it was supposed to be for like them. And then they're like, Mavi used to work there. And yeah, we were given this opportunity. And on top of that, I feel like our chosen family is our friends who've helped us like construct the place, build this place, and who's constantly been supportive of us. And also the GoFundMe. Um, I was in a lot of doubt personally with opening the coffee shop during the middle of pandemic and everything going on. And I feel like, okay, like, I started thinking in a very scarcity, like from a place of scarcity and I was like, okay, so we're opening up the shop, like is there enough support, is there, like, are there people out there who will believe in us and the GoFundMe really proved to me that yes, community is there for us and also this is needed by community, mm-hmm. having the space where we are represented and where we feel like we can just be ourselves, you know, play our, our music, dance whenever we, we want and not care about what other people would think and be in a safe space where we can just be and constantly try to also dismantle a lot of toxic mentalities. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a lot of like scarcity mentality and um, I'm curious as to like, um, how would you like define what that looks like in your life and like what does yeah to you what does scarcity mentality like look and feel like I guess survival um, it's because we've been colonized for so freaking long that we think that we are out to get each other right um, and we never ever bother to look at upstairs like what's above us that's making us pit against each other right um, and we just look at each other and like start like 
attacking each other mm-hmm. and um, we don't ask for help because we just assume that people who look like us who are, who are darker than us who are who are indigenous or, or you know like they're out to get us and and we have to like attack them before they can attack us that's what scarcity mindset looks like for us in our culture and we call it something else it's called crab mentality it's easier for the colonizers to just like let us fight against each other than to like fight against them right so if you control them like they're just gonna drag each other down and they'll stare they, they'll um, stay there mm-hmm. and it it's like yeah it has a lot to do with like patriarchy and how we have to submit mm-hmm. you know like when the spaniards colonized us they colonized us through christianity and the sword and the cross yeah more so the cross though mm-hmm. and i feel like you know having the like that notion that we have to be under something we have to constantly submit to something you know because before that pre-colonial pre-colonial philippines was it's it had a lot of it was a lot it was more complex queer, yeah it was a lot more complex we we celebrated queerness we celebrated femininity um one of the people who had positions in society are queer people trans women right so yeah when the spaniards came they were so afraid of the women of the islands that they had to brainwash our men to basically subdue our women and and that's why the philippines is the way it is because because of that Um, women yeah women were respected you cannot even touch a hair of a woman before without permission you would get your hands cut and uh women were allowed to write and and read they were educated Mm -hmm. they were caretakers they balanced out the uh the warrior mentality of men and they provided the nurturing and caring nature that the world right now so badly needs Mm -hmm. yeah it was coming from like yeah it's just it was more bountiful we celebrated more we were more thankful on certain things instead of us like constantly thinking like you know we have to submit to something for us to get peace yeah Yeah. so that's what scarcity mindset looks like for us it's very rooted in colonization yeah cafes are our first spaces and and historically in the ottoman empire like a lot of like artistic um expression literature mm-hmm. um po- poets and most of those are queer ass people yeah. um, and they hung out in coffee shops right um and until they banned it because those people the people that were sober and drank coffee and discussed about politics yeah. art and culture plan to overthrow the government rather than the drunk Drunk, people at the tavern so they banned coffee in the ottoman empire like dubbing it as the devil's Devil's cup Cup. and so people started like demonizing coffee because Mm. people who were sober who were queer and like artistically and politically inclined (laughs) wanted to overthrow the government um, and, and we want to recreate those spaces again where that, that can happen mm-hmm. overthrow the government <laughs> um, but you know like spark the, the movements and the changes that needs to happen right now yeah. stay sober <laughs> <I'm> kidding. <laughs> kidding. Uh, not, not to demonize all the, the, the queer bars in that culture because that was that, those 
places were critical to our survival as well. But we need alternatives now. We need options because we deserve them. Oh, we need to step up. We need yeah. better places. We need more intersection. We need more welcoming spaces mm -hmm. where conversations mm -hmm. are welcome and conversations are started. Like, also, like, we were talking about mentorship, right? But in bar settings, it's like, if it's more sexualized. If yeah. person, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. right? But in a coffee shop, it's like, it's not that because the, it's the environment that you mm -hmm. put that conversation in that changes it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, where do queer kids go? Yeah. They can't be susceptible they to can't all, access like... all those spaces. Yeah. Um, and so we need to start creating spaces for the next generation. The things that we didn't have. Yeah, high school was f***ing tough. Yeah, we didn't want to go home because we were like closeted. I was a closeted, like, <laughs> queer. And, and like, the only safe space was like, our Ca school. Yeah. Ca school, and then we went to cafes after that, but even then, cafes are only open till what? Three, like, 5 p.m.? Yeah. Eight. And even then, we have to tone down our like our our queerness, our queerness yeah. and like our voices because like being Filipino, we're allowed. Being queer on top of that, we're <laughs> it's like a party, yeah, a concert, you know, and like yeah. people like staring at us, giving yeah. us all these glares yeah. because we want to be unapologetically ourselves. That's we, why we want yeah. to also like have the brick and mortar so we can open until like late, mm -hmm. but still like be a sober space, like. Why don't we go out on dates sober? <laughs> yeah. Have like sober yeah. drag shows, you know, yeah. that's also like accessible to younger queers, mm -hmm. right? That's like, there is a space for you if you need it. Yeah. I feel like we're like pampered being at Intent because most of our like customers are queer and like mm -hmm. it's so, it's so like... Queer and bi too. Because like if you see like normal settings like in cafes, like people on the bar are usually white men with beards with beards. And aprons yeah women are mostly on tail you know we don't even touch the coffee mm -hmm. and there's a lot of disconnect with that from where it came from where where bipoc women and children actually work in the coffee and like the person representing it before the customer like the consumer is a white man and that's yeah. all they see right so like yeah it's been great experience to just be surrounded by our own people and like yeah like our own people buy from us and then mm -hmm. our own people like pay each other yeah like, be unapologetic about the food that we serve mm -hmm. be unapologetic about the music that we play mm -hmm. and be unapologetic of, of how we move should we do like a part where you do your promos about the different food and stuff that's available so people know what they can buy and like all your handles and stuff from food to drinks, we also have merch. Um, oh. We have from the kilt bag. Um, there, we carry their pronoun pins, so oh, you can grab them here. We also have like the April almanac, so if you want to grab yours, you can also grab it here. What's your favorite Filipino pastry? I want to say all of them, but right now what I'm always eating is the bibinka. Mm -hmm. It's a uh, rice cake wrapped in banana leaf, and we traditionally like serve it during Christmas time. Like, as soon as the air gets colder, we like start making those um, delicacies that are for the holiday season. So it's really nostalgic when I, I, I see it, the color and the smell of the banana leaf. So yeah, I recommend the bibinka. We also like heat it up for three minutes in the oven and then sprinkle it with coconut shavings on top. And it's, it's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, there's a you? lot. Oh, goodness. 
I just had uve, uve pandesal. I feel like that's one of our best sellers here. Pandesal traditionally is like the bread for the mass, like the um, tinapay para sa masa. And I remember, yeah, growing up, my parents like would, would ask me to grab the, to buy that kind of pastry and then we dip it in coffee. coffee. But the pandesal that we have here is like the ube one, which has like the purple yam, which is a Filip- native Philippine root and it's yeah, purple. And in terms of drinks, my favorite is like the hot <laughs> chocolate. So it's chocolate. We get our chocolate from Kasama, which is uh, based in Vancouver. But the bean, the cacao beans, are actually from Davao, which is in the southern part of the Philippines. Yeah, it's my favorite. My favorite drink. I'm like an espresso drinker. Um, not to sound like a snob, <laughs> but um, I do like the intensity of espresso and like pair that with the sweetness of steamed milk and that texture. And I like mine eight ounces. So my my preferred ratio is two ounces of espresso and then six ounces of steamed milk and we have that on our menu it's the eight ounce espresso and milk and our coffee we use two roasters so one is cafe philippine coffee which is based in vancouver they directly source from indigenous women coffee producers in the philippines um and they actually put the name of the farmers in the bags and that's mm-hmm. what you call the coffee and we see them like we actually see the people behind the bean and their stories mm-hmm. and we're actually working together to set up a video chat with the farmer and i've never had that experience where i like get to talk to the person that like made my livelihood mm-hmm. and other people's livelihood in this coffee's value chain yeah. possible mm-hmm. and so i'm very excited for that um cafe also gives out five percent of their um, sales to Hogan's Alley and it's a, um, a non-profit organization in Vancouver that helps um, preserve black history in, in Vancouver um, and then the other roaster that we work with is the Grizzler Coffee and Records they're based here in um, downtown Edmonton and they give out 10% of their roasters output back to the community through Bull Street Community Services um, so the more that we buy their coffee, the more that we up their um, output of their roasters and the more that they can give back to the community mm-hmm. as well. And they're overall like just awesome, awesome, yeah, awesome, awesome people. And we don't see them as suppliers. We see them as like just like an extension of what we do because we can't do everything ourselves and mm-hmm. all the battlefields. We can't exist all there. It's one thing to like sell coffee, but it's another thing to grow it and like source it roast it and then like send it mm-hmm. it's a community it's not like a, a straight line it's a yes. circle um and and we love that it's we're all connected and like one cannot function without the other and that's been like teaching us a lot about how we want to build the future like of the world how like we, we should be like sitting in a circle and like you know like we're all part of this mm-hmm. Yeah, we're inside Southgate Mall. The closest entrance is Southeast Entrance. We're right by the bay and right beside Swarovski Crystals. So we're very accessible. Um, the doors come with a wheelchair accessible um, button. Uh, we're also on the ground floor, so you don't have to worry about walking um, through a set of stairs. Uh, we have limited seating, but there are like benches available if you need to. And in terms of Instagram, you can follow us at intent. Coffee.yag. Thank you so much.
much. Of course. Yeah, thank you. Thank so you for much. having us. We've come to the end of this week's episode of Adam with Eve, Edmonton's only feminist news program. We produced this week's show in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada on Treaty 6 territory. We are grateful to be in the traditional territory of the diverse indigenous peoples of this land. We recognize that Canada is a violent colonial state. Canada continues to disregard the sovereignty and livelihood of the diverse First Nations locally and internationally. We encourage you to reflect on your own relationship further and ask what accountability would look like here and practice for yourself, the communities you're part of, and the larger systems that shape our daily access and opportunities. We also wanted to take this moment to express our support for the indigenous peoples in Nova Scotia. There is currently a huge amount of settler colonial violence towards Mi'kmaq people. Non-indigenous fishermen are currently attacking Mi'kmaq folks who are exercising their right to fish as outlined by the treaty. E-transfers to support Mi'kmaq people can be sent to taramarie.nf at gmail.com That is taramarie.nf at gmail.com Thank you very much to Mavi and Reika from Intent Coffee for telling us about their coffee collective that's rooted in community. Adam and Eve is a spoken word project of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton, Alberta. Journalism is funded by you, the listeners. For more information on our program and to send us any feedback, please contact us on our Facebook page under Adam and Eve or email us at aeve.cjsr at gmail.com. We're always looking for more volunteers to help out, so if you're interested in learning any aspect of radio production, just get in touch. Also, stay tuned for our fan drive show. We won't be in our usual Friday slot, so make sure to mark your calendars for November 4th at 6 p.m., where you will be able to hear one hour fun drive edition of our show. See you then. Thank you very much for tuning in. I've been your host, Luis Fuentes. And have a adamant evening.